0: Welcome to the Gay Men Going Deeper podcast, a podcast by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about everything personal development, mental health, and sexuality. I'm your host today, Matt Lancetot, and we are joined
1: by Devante Love. Welcome, Devante. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is a beautiful platform, and I'm honored to be here, so thank you. Yeah, we're,
0: we're honored to have you here. I'm excited to pick your brain today. Today we're gonna be talking about authenticity through embodiment. So we're gonna be breaking down, um, Devontae and I are gonna be sharing our, our, um, what authenticity and embodiment means to us and how we can start to um, practice both of these things. Um, So we're gonna be unpacking questions like, what does authenticity mean to to each of us? Um, What does embodiment mean to each of us? Uh, What is the connection between the body, our thoughts and our emotions? What is in, or why is it important for gay men in the 21st century, especially to engage in embodiment practices? Forces that exist in society that have and can cause us to become disembodied, such as capitalism, technology, colonialism, and religion. I'm very excited about unpacking that question. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> i got a lot be to say on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do we become more embodied? and the importance of developing a lexicon for bodily sensations um so yeah like I'm this is just right up my alley I bring up the word embodiment in all the podcasts and I don't think people quite understand so I'm really I was really looking forward to having you on here so we could unpack it so people could know what I mean when I drop that that bomb um but before we begin I want to introduce you because you you're doing a lot of really beautiful things in this world and I want to want everybody to know about it so um Um, yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, So Devante Love, uh, they, them, is a gay Olympian, Kung Fu master, QT BIPOC counsellor and shaman who has over a decade of experience guiding thousands of folks from across the world who have felt weighed down by their trauma, anxiety, stress or culture. They are the founder of Healing Kung Fu an online queer and BIPOC-friendly spiritual martial arts school, which teaches people how to attain new levels of wellness through movement meditation practices. After getting their master's in spiritual psychology from Columbia University, they were invited to train, teach, and compete all over the US and internationally. They're currently pursuing a doctorate in performance studies where they are working to curate interactive healing performances that help people connect to their true nature and heal from mental emotional health blocks so that they feel empowered to live into their destiny there's no better person in my opinion to come on and talk about this so um, yeah welcome again it's it's really good to have you here and
1: uh, yeah yeah I, I I appreciate that you know just just as you said I think um we'll get into this but Embodiment is something that not many people even know of or understand. Um, yeah. and it's something that's changed my life, you know, becoming more embodied. Um, so yeah. I'm really excited to share some of my story and experience. And um hopefully that helps people understand the importance or I would say necessity of yeah. being more in touch with the body. So I'm ready for this roller coaster.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we're at a very similar place in our journey i think and um, i don't know a lot about you we're just getting to know each other now but i feel like a lot of our stories kind of similar and uh, i'm actually looking forward to learning more about your story so uh, why don't we start there actually i'd love to know like maybe your 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 origin story kind of what's the um what brought you to this work brought you to this place in your life where where you're practicing embodiment
1: yeah um so my entire life i've been very athletic um <laughs> When I was younger, I did, I did tap dance, and I quit tap dance because um, I advanced so quickly that I ended up getting into these classes with all all girls, and I felt like I don't belong in this particular space. I was like maybe six or seven at that point, so I was very young, mm-hmm. um, and so I I quit that, and I jumped between different sports. I did like soccer, um, soccer meaning like actual like soccer, like European soccer, yeah. um, uh, so so football. Um, and then I did like baseball, I, I did basketball, I, I did so many different sports. And I found that when I was moving my body, the, the all these voices in my head were, were sort of silenced, or I was able to find a sense of calmness. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until maybe high school, that I started doing martial arts, particularly, and I started doing it because I was being bullied. Um, and i had come out to my parents, and they had said that, um, they wanted me to to have a means to protect myself. So they they found this martial arts school. I went there. I auditioned. Um, I got in, and I started training. Mm-hmm. And the more I trained, the more I learned a system of tuning into the body and ways of movement that helped me understand what it is that I truly desire and who I am. Um, and it felt really, really good. So I just kept doing it and doing it. Um, started competing in competitions and then started teaching and it's been um I think this is my 16th year of martial arts training it's changed like the way that I stand the way that I breathe even just the way that I respond to people I'm a lot more um if if you're tuning in um uh through audio you can't really see but I I use my hands a lot because you know I, I communicate with my body in that way um, and martial arts has been the, the key for that. So I'm very grateful for those practices. Um, again, it's, it's it saved my life. It's given me, um, a new way of being and a new way of, um, communicating with the world. Mm.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love it. Thank you for sharing a little bit about, uh, your path, what led you to this. And I'm sure we'll hear more throughout, throughout the episode here as we go, but, um, Okay, let's 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 break down the word authenticity because you and I we, we did meet before before this to kind of come up with a topic and what we wanted to to unpack together and we both agreed that authenticity is kind of a buzzword
1: mm-hmm.
0: right now. My brand is all built around authenticity, so I understand it very well. But it's <laughs> like um, it is. It's kind of this word that people throw around, and and I just think it's important for the context of this podcast that we define it um, in the context to which we mean it. Right. So from, well, I'll start actually. So I I would say for me, um, authenticity is the expression of alignment. That's kind of how I define it. And, and, um, and, and, and when I say alignment, I mean, alignment to what is real and genuine to us. And I think oftentimes we, we hide our authentic self because there's shame or there's, um, there's fear around bringing those parts of ourselves forward. And I think those parts are like more of our shadow selves, right? These parts are maybe our shortcomings or or, um, the parts that aren't socially acceptable to bring forward. So we hide parts of ourselves. And I think when we're being authentic, we're integrated with our shadow and our light and we've brought it in, we've integrated into one being and we're just being authentic um, to our yeah, like the alignment and the expression of who we are. So I would say that's, that's probably the best way to define it for me. Mm. What about for you?
1: I love that. Um, there's, I, whenever I think of authenticity, I try to center it around desire. And I feel like authenticity is the way that we express our specific desires we all desire things differently you know we desire to wear something we desire to talk a certain way or move in a certain way and because of that authenticity is a practice of shutting away the layers of what people tell us we should do to realize what it is that we truly desire like what what sparks us what makes us feel good or bad and then choosing to act in the world in that way due to that that desire mm-hmm. so I, I would say authenticity is a deep um, it's a practice of constant recalibration toward our desires and finding ways to be in our desires within the world. So mm. I, I completely agree w- with the, the way that you've, um, you've broken it down. And I just want to add that, that little bit about desire because it's really important.
0: Yeah, I like that, actually. I like that a lot because I think we often, like, again, you come back to what's real and genuine to us. Well, if we desire to be something that isn't socially acceptable or that people would shame us for being, such as being gay, right, the desire to be our authentic self is like one of the most humanistic desires, right? We, we, we want to be able to show up in the world and be uh, who we are and desire what makes us feel good. So I love that. I love that we can kind of blend those two definitions together and come up with this really really juicy definition so um okay so what about embodiment why don't you start with this one what does embodiment mean to you
1: yeah um i would say embodiment is is a set of practices or way or modality or ideology for um putting the body first so centering the body in all situations whether you're you're in relation with someone, or you're in an activity, or you're just like, you know, by yourself, you know, embodiment is the focus of the body and, and, allowing yourself to gain new awareness of yourself because you've centered the body. Um, and we'll talk about this, I guess, but, you know, oftentimes in society, we're so disembodied, we're so, we're so removed and we're not, we're not told to think about the body or, or we don't naturally check in with the body itself. Mm-hmm. So when we are in this field of embodiment, it's really about um, understanding, like, how does my body react to this situation? And I'm thinking of of your body as like not just a separate entity, but like a part of you, mm-hmm. and realizing its reaction and its response to the the stimuli of of, of the world.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. My, my definition is kind of similar. Um, so I use it, um, I would say when I use the word embodiment and I'm using it more loosely, I'm talking about kind of the definition of what you just said. So having a connection to our body, having body awareness, understanding, maybe our using our body for our compass, right. Our body is communicating, um, um, to us constantly and being in touch with that communication would be embodiment to me. But I, I think of it also as like, you know, we have these kind of chambers that make up who we are, like the mind, body and the spirit. And I think when we are embodied, we are allowing all three of those to work in harmony together for our highest good. And I think that's, you know, when you take embodiment to the next level, I think mm-hmm. that's... um. And and that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm really learning how to bring in my spirit, bring in my mind and bring in my body and allow them to all work together. Because for most of my life, they've been opposing each other, especially (laughs) my mind and my body. They've been at war. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm learning how to bring them into, into, you know, into integration and, and working together. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think what you're saying, a lot of people have that that war, whether the spirit and the body are disconnected. Or I think for most people, the mind and the body are disconnected. Yeah. And what's unfortunate is people don't even realize that they're at war until they get like drastically sick or something happens and the body's like, give me attention. Because yeah. one of the things that I love about the body is that it's going it's relentless if it wants attention it's going to like force you to pay attention so you can ignore the body and be so focused on you know your your mindset and these thoughts that you have and eventually the body's like well i'm gonna get sick or i'm gonna like fail in some way and then you have to completely focus on on the body Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah i i i love that the explanation as well it's really really nice Mm. yeah thank you
0: Yeah, I I fully agree with what you're saying, too. I think that's been my journey has been um, my mind has been bullying my body um, Mm -hmm. to do all sorts of things, to perform, to overwork out, to eat certain things like and it's just like I'm now learning embodiment by listening, just truly just listening. That's that's my embodiment practice. Listen to my body. What does my body want? And, and learning how to honor that instead of like, you know, for example, like I'm learning how to nap, <laughs> mm. like for the first time in my life. Okay. And uh, it's so amazing. Like rest is so amazing. And, um, but for most of my life, my body wanted to rest and nap and my mind wouldn't allow it. Right. So that's a perfect example of like, when we say we, we're at war or with ourselves or we're bullying our body, it's just simply not listening. It's, it's ignoring the whispers that the body, you know, and the whispers suddenly turn into like, you know, screams and yells. It's like, and we get disease and injuries and these sorts of things. So
1: the body will always win. That's what I always say. Right? <laughs> it will, it will at, at some And maybe, maybe at the point where it's too late and then the body's like, okay, I've, I've completely taken over. And then I, you know, I would say for myself, there've been points where my body would literally shut down. Um, Like I I have a specific memory of when I was um, training in China, I I lived in China for about four years and I trained in martial arts um, there. And there was one point where I was just so in my head about like what it is that I needed to do, who I should be listening to, how I should be comporting myself in these situations with different people. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm in a culture that I'm familiar with, but it's very different from, from what I'm used to. And I just kept like being in my head. And I remember one point I got out of the subway and my body was like, nope. And I just like fell down to the ground. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, what's happening? Nothing was wrong with me health wise, but my body was being so ignored. And at mm-hmm. that point I was like, okay, I cannot not listen to my body at this point. Um, Cause it, it communicates a lot to us. And yeah. um, I think we're going to, we're going to talk about this, which is beautiful, but yeah. the body tells you exactly what it is that it needs. And when you tune into that need, you, you find the ways in which your your thinking changes or your emotional states start to change. And it's a beautiful, um, difficult practice that requires patience and requires a, a slow, attentive um, quality, which, yeah. are, which is hard to do in this society where things are so fast-paced and go, go, go all the time. So embodiment is somewhat of a, it's sort of an activist way of being because you're sort of being opposite toward the ways in which culture is oriented
0: yeah beautifully said beautifully said you know and it, it brings us to the the question about um things that caused disembodiment right technology i think that's huge it's so huge because we we live in a culture where everything is is you know instantly gratified mm-hmm. impulsivity is a common trait amongst amongst human beings now right and The body doesn't work like that. (laughs) The mind works like that. That's why I think a lot of us have an over identification with mind. And uh, it's things like capitalism and technology that have really reinforced that. So, but I'm jumping ahead of myself here. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say wherever the body wants to go, that's where we can go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. So,
0: the first question we have is what is the connection between the body? our thoughts and our emotions
1: Hmm. yeah um so from an energetic standpoint because i i teach a lot about spirituality so i can say from an energetic standpoint and a psychological standpoint so in from an energetic standpoint we have different um frequencies or vibrations um around us and the most surface level vibration is the body itself it's the the physical Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, we have the, the the mental and then we have the emotional. And so whatever is happening within the body is going to reverberate across these different fields. So if I'm feeling a pain in like my kidney and I allow myself to tune into that, I realize that, that there's thoughts that are associated to that, um, usually thoughts around like worthiness or or unworthiness whether or not you belong in in a certain space Mm. and then once you start to tune into those thoughts there's emotions that are associated with that so maybe there's anger because you've never felt like you belong in a certain space Mm -hmm. maybe there's just sadness because you you want to feel comfortable you want to feel worthy within a specific context and so there's a deep correlation between the three um and it's very interesting when you start to do like embodiment work you start to realize exactly how one influences the the other two. And even, you know, people talk about changing their emotional states. And the way that you do that, honestly, and truly, and fully is tuning all the way down to that, to that more, the most surface level is the body, and shifting the way you move or shifting your connection or relation to the body. And that changes the way that you think about things. And it changes the way that you um, feel about a certain situation mm. so it's a direct correlation and you know each of them um speak to each other mm. um, and again it's really unfortunate how they're so disconnected um, there's different modalities of therapy which i've um, trained in and I've, I've done which i didn't really connect with very well because it's so on the the mental level of just changing the thought Mm -hmm. i can change the thought but my body is still going to ache or that emotion is going to still be pervasive and still come within me so we need to really look at these things on all three levels and that's when change true change and transformation happens
0: yeah that's that's um That's bang on. And I think, you know, I I get the sense we both practice similarly because, you know, I, I'm trained in, in CBT. I I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy, and I'm also trained in dialectical behavioral therapy and DBT is a little bit more trauma informed, but CBT is definitely not trauma informed. And that's Mm -hmm. where I struggle. And, um, I always, for my, for my own journey, um, you can't heal trauma by intellectualizing, by moving through the mind, right? Trauma does not live in the mind. The stories of trauma live in the mind, but the trauma itself lives in the body. And I think for me, um, I experienced trauma as a child. And what happened was I learned how to dissociate. I learned how to get out of my body because it was Mm -hmm. too intense. I took refuge in my mind and I spent most of my life in my mind and, um, it becomes exhausting. And it's like you're you're literally running in a hamster wheel when you're trying to heal from your mind. And if, so, you know, how I would answer this question is that if we want to connect with our emotions, we need to be embodied. We truly need to be embodied, and especially if we want to connect to our emotions for a healing purpose, for example, healing trauma or working with shame wounding, we really need to be embodied for this practice. And, you know, this is the the last three years of my life is is learning present moment awareness, learning embodiment, and guess what happened from, from starting to practice these things. I healed. I healed my mm-hmm. trauma. I connected to my divine feminine. Um, you know, all of these beautiful things that happen through the practice of embodiment is is it's been life changing for mm-hmm. me. And um, so, yeah. Hopefully, I answered the question. What is the connection between body and thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah.
1: I, <laughs> I I definitely think you did. And I think to add to that. Um, there's so much that's happening within the world and we are, we're sponges, whether we're aware of it or not. Um, you know, you, you walk down the street and you're absorbing the sounds of the street. You're absorbing the, those, those billboards that, that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of that is being seeped into your system and, and your body stores it all. And you know, we're, we're, we are pieces of nature. We're aspects of nature and we absorb everything that, that's around us. So it's somewhere stored in the body. And sometimes we're so focused on the mind and, and the things that we're thinking. And of course, we can change the, those particular thoughts. But again, everything is stored in the body somewhere in, in some way. And so it's not until we tune into the body that then we're able to realize the ways in which we've absorbed things into our own behavior and our actions. And then once we move through that, once we gain that awareness, we can then consciously choose how to move forward.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I love that because that's basically, that's exactly embodiment right there, right? Tuning into that and uh, and allowing it to kind of guide us. It, it really is, you know, the body is the compass. And I think, you know, I always say like emotions are messengers of need and they are the things that are guiding us to everything, to our desires, to our needs, to our fears, our worries, all that emotions are, are the compass. And when we're not embodied, we're not connected to our emotional body. Um, at least, not in a deep and profound way, and so we're we, we we're not accessing our compass, right? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, for me, when I started to connect with my emotions and feel my emotions, is when I started to align to my soul purpose because that's what the my compass, my emotions, is what is constantly guiding me to my soul purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just been life changing for me to to connect with this part of my being.
1: It definitely is. It's uh, I'll just say really quickly, it's been yeah. the, the same for me as well. Um, you know, I, I used to be really deeply socially programmed in terms of like doing things in order to please other people or just to make myself seem um, not like I problematic to 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 the world and to the people that are around me. And when I realized I, I was taking on all of these social cues of like literally how to walk, how to speak, um, how to dress myself so I don't appear to be too frightening to other people. Yeah. And when I realized I was like so in my head in that way, like I, I felt my body just be really angry at me for like you know you have this this need to express or be in this way, but you're not doing it. And again, around that point, my my body started to fail i started had to have really weird like sicknesses that that started to come in um because the we we keep saying this but the the body will prevail and if the body wants something it's going to get something until you listen to it
0: yeah yeah exactly yeah the body um or the mind might win the battle but the body will win the war that's Mm. that's my experience i love that (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah um there was something i was going to say but it it just evaded me but it, it, i'm sure it'll come back if it's meant to be shared um okay so does that question feel complete for you is there anything else you want to share on that one it does it does okay Feels good okay good okay so let's bring it into the gay context so what is or why is it important for gay men in the 21st century especially to engage in embodiment practices?
1: Um, this might bleed into the next question a little bit, but okay. we live in a time where, you know, we're inundated with so much information um, and information comes in different ways. It could be um, just the the media and the ways in which we see um, gay men in different TV shows or movies. Um, the the news and the way the news is talking about uh queerness or or even like porn and porn giving you sort of a step-by-step instruction as to how to please a certain person Mm. and so we're inundated with all this information and if we're not embodied this information becomes sort of a a recipe for how we exist within the world Mm. but is that recipe something that actually tastes good to your soul to to your unique self Mm. and i find that um from my work with a lot of gay men in particular, like a lot of folks are disembodied and they don't tune into their body. And so they go into actions that are almost, not are almost, are compromising their own personal desires. Mm. So if they desire, let's say authentic, deep connections with with other men, um, but they haven't tuned into like that particular feeling in the body, they might go to what, what culture or what society says is, you know, authentic connection with men. And oftentimes that results in like casual sex or it it results in these sort of like baseless sort of shallow conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really, really important for us as, as gay men to take that time to be again, to be activists and listen to what the body wants Mm -hmm. and act accordingly. Um, And, the the hard part about that within within gay culture is gay culture is unfortunately very i have to be honest, like it feels very cookie cutter. You know, there, there's there's a lot of gay men who exist in the same exact way of, you know, you have a certain body type, you do these certain activities. And that's mm-hmm. what it means to be a, a gay man within our culture. Mm-hmm. And there's many different ex- expressions there's many different flavors of being a gay man. Mm-hmm. But I find the same thing over and over and over. And part of that is because people are taking on all of these messages and that's what they think they need to be. But if we were to tune back into our bodies, we can realize like, oh, I actually don't like to have this sort of body type where I have this like really ripped six pack and and these like big old muscles. And maybe that's not what my soul wants. Maybe that's not how my body wants to actually move about in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, that was really, really important to realize because there was one point where I just felt like I needed to have a certain body type. And then I was like, you know, my body wants to, to sort of slip through the air in the most like precise and clean way. And having really a really chiseled body with big old muscles doesn't allow for my own, in, in sort of a poetic sense, it doesn't allow me to, to do that. I feel like I'm sort of, you know, blocking the air as it's coming through me. So I have a more toned body and that allows me to kind of just like slip through space. Mm. And when I have this kind of body, it feels really, really good to me. And other people, other gay men will critique me and say, like, I need to do this or maybe they might not be attracted to me because I don't fit this cookie cutter mold. But this expression of myself feels best and, and I, I, I feel truly happy and my body feels good. Mm. Um, so. I guess to sum up that, that long preamble or that long um, aside, it's not an aside, <laughs> that, that long piece, I, I would just say it's, just, it's important for us to tune into the body so we realize what is authentic to ourselves. And we can have the courage, the, the honesty to express that in a society that's trying to still put us into these molds of who we should be. Mm. Yeah. So articulate. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I try. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was awesome. It's very stimulating to hear what you just shared. And there was so much going on for me. Um, So let me see if I can kind of bring it all together and have my own little preamble here. Um, Well, we we titled this authenticity through embodiment. So we're inferring that authenticity comes through the body mm-hmm. um and it may be expressing itself through the mind through the way we talk through the way that we create stories about who we are um but i think it originates in the body and i think um i think a lot of gay men not all gay men um have either experienced shaming or trauma in their life and or both and I think those are two things that pull us out of embodiment. They disembody us. And I think that when you, I, I fully agree with you that the gay, the gay community and the gay culture, in my opinion, it does feel very cookie cutter. It feels like people are trying to replicate this, what they think is the top of the pyramid. Everybody's trying to be this, this thing, right? Whatever. I don't even. I, and I agree with some of the things that you're you're saying around it being, you know, this Adonis thing um you know overvaluing white the white male overvaluing the chiseled body like these sorts of things i think people are trying to replicate that and it's when when we try and replicate that i do think that we're 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 likely intellectualizing and we're 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 trying to access our authenticity through our mind by being like oh i want to be this i want to be this i want to be this but we're not listening to our body and I think that when we do start to connect into our body, like you said, we start to have the the experience of um, of the duality of our nature. And I think for me, I I, I frame that as masculine feminine. But you, if that doesn't land for people, it could be yin or yang. Like I I have both parts of my being. And for so long, I was a gay man that was over identifying with his with his masculine. And I would even say at some points in my life, it was a wounded masculine. So I was over-identifying with a wounded masculine. So I was trying to be ripped. I was trying to be um, a dom top mentality. Like I was trying to be things. And then as I've done this, this embodiment work and I've connected to my authenticity, I've realized that, damn, I'm, 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 I'm not those things. Um, mm-hmm. I might have moments where I feel those things, but I'm not those things. I was attaching to them for, for egoic reasons. And I think- um, now, like, I'm like you, like I used to, uh, you know, value muscle and being bigger and I wanted to be bigger and I was a fitness competitor and all those things. And and now I'm like really embracing this supple, um, softer kind of mm-hmm. like, I like, and I like how you, that's why I said you're so articulate. Cause like the way you were describing it, I was like, yeah, that lands so well for me. Like just feeling into the way my body's moving now, it's a lot more fluid. It flows. Like my movements aren't as rigid, um. So I do think that um, gay men can really benefit from connecting more with their bodies and with each other, with each other, like in, 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 in sex is wonderful, but I I think even in more ways than just sexual sensuality can be something that can be embraced to, to help us explore our
1: authentic, um, our authenticity. Yeah. That's the best I got. Yeah. I, that was beautiful. Like I, I felt what you said in, my in my liver um Mm. which is making me want to talk a little bit more about um self-worth and being a gay man being a gay person being a queer person um we run it against moments in which we don't feel like we are good in this world that we're not valuable that we're not important Mm. and naturally what the mind says is if i feel like i have no self-worth i'm not important what around me is getting the attention, what around me is getting you know, all of that praise and, and value. And, and you see the specific look of, we're talking about gay men, so the specific look or actions or behavior of a gay man. So you see that and you're like, and on the mind level, I'm gonna replicate that in order for me to feel the sense of, of, of self-worth or to gain that sense, that sense of self-worth. And people achieve that, they go toward that particular image. And what's unfortunate is when they go toward that image, and they attain that image. They're getting all this attention, but there's still something that feels wrong. There's something that's missing. Um, and then if they tune in they feel it in the body, there's something that feels um, either heavy or really just like open or vacant. And I would say the reason for that is because they, they're chasing an image of who they think they should be rather than finding the image from within. Mm-hmm. And that image from within Um, manifesting sort of an outward expression of being. And I think that's, it's a very difficult practice. It's a very important practice. And and when you can do that, you feel, I'll say for myself, I feel really fulfilled. I feel like I can take a very deep breath and I feel calm. And when I go home at the end of the day, I say go home as if I'm like going out all these places, it's still a pandemic. But when I'm home um, and I'm just about to, to go to bed and, and I sort of reflect on myself, I can be completely happy with who I was and every action that I took. Because what I did is I took something that felt authentic to me. I might've gotten rejected by, by these certain people, but you know their rejection means very little when I love every aspect of my being.
0: Bingo, bango, I think that's so key authenticity can be very fringe Mm -hmm. and it can be very outcasting. Um, I've experienced that in the last three years where I've really been fierce about being who I am. I don't care if the herd goes right. If I want to go left, I'm going to go left. That's how I've been living my life the last three years. And, yeah people shame you when you go left and they go right right and they throw all sorts of shit at you and they reject you and stuff you've got to be really self-possessed and grounded in yourself in order to be able to 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 move through that and I just think that maybe a lot of gay men struggle with with being authentic and living authentic and choosing authenticity because of the fear of rejection I think it's so strong for so many of us because we experience that as usually what one of our first core wounds in our lives is we we come to connection of of that we're gay we're different and we feel rejection because of that right so it's like we do anything and we build our lives in a way that that we're structured to not have to experience that again so we might become people pleasers conformists um, any of these sorts of things that keep us stuck in inauthenticity and disembodiment and i think uh, and disempowerment i think as well so yeah Juicy stuff here. Juicy stuff. I'm loving it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, Okay. So this is the big kahuna question. I want to allocate some good time for this one. So um, the forces that exist in society that have, that have or can cause us to become disembodied such as capitalism, technology, colonialism, or religion. Mm What made you choose that question? Because you chose that question and I really loved it. When I saw it, I was like, oh, this one's so good. What made you choose it?
1: You know, and it's interesting, like right after you, you read it, there was like a pause between both of us. There was like this like very like quiet pause. And it's because, I would say it's because those topics are heavy, mm-hmm. you know, those topics make up our society. Um, and so because these topics make up our society and they're causing us to be disembodied or they're taking us away from our body, it just goes to show that our culture is designed in a way to disembody us. Mm-hmm. Um, and within the, the, the mechanisms that I teach, I talk a lot about these different forces and um, how we can combat them, how we can, be, I keep saying the word activist, I think it's because I'm pulling in the activist archetype lately, mm-hmm. um, but how we can be activists and like push back against these things. And first, we need to be aware of what these things are and how they're trying to pervade our system, pervade our, our emotions, our mind, our bodies. And then once we realize that, then we can push back from the body. You know, I'm, I'm a martial artist, so I think about everything in terms of martial arts. And there's, you can think about a block, how someone's coming in with a punch and you take the punch and you redirect it outward and and that's what I try to do with these different forces so um, capitalism for example is I think one of the one of the things that deeply disembodies us that we're not as conscious of um, capitalism tries to turn the body into a vehicle of production of just mm. a means of production so if you're not doing something that is productive, if you're not doing something that's going to help you make money, that's helping you cross off your cross off the long things, the long list of stuff you have on your to do list, then that thing is deemed bad. You know, you're deemed lazy. You know, you, you were talking Matt, about how you, you learning how to take naps. Mm-hmm. Um, I love my naps and I mm. will religiously like fight against, you know, things that try to take away my nap time. That's like crucial for me because mm. my body needs rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, my body needs to learn and be reminded to move slowly because, mm-hmm. you know, like I think of the the elements and um, earth, for example, is one element and our body is, is earth. It's made of, of water, but I see us as earth mm-hmm. and earth is very, very slow. And when we are operating on this capitalist speed of like, go, 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 go. We're going against our nature. We're going against our body. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't heal instantly, you know, Most of us are not Wolverine. You know, we don't have this like magical, like quick healing ability. We heal very slowly. Mm -hmm. And so we need to think about, well, why is it that we're moving so fast if we heal slowly? You know, so I think it's important that we recognize the ways in which this capitalistic culture is trying to make us move very fast, is trying to make us think very fast. You know, we're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook and we're just liking all of these things. Mm -hmm. and again like do we truly like these things or are we just going and just we're just clicking 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 Mm -hmm. because the body is slow in its responses so if I see this image it's an interesting image but do I really like it I don't know but I'm just you know scrolling through so I'm just going to go like all these different things and so I think it's important to just slow down and capitalism says slowing down is problematic it says you're a menace to society in some way you're a rebel you're not making you're not making bank if you're slowing down and I actually find the opposite to be true I find that when we slow down and when we tune into ourselves when we move against this speed of capitalism we're able to not do as much but we're able to have more profound experiences, mm-hmm. and that to me is really important. And the way we relate these profound experiences to other people brings us in closer connection. So I talk about eros a lot. So we're more deeply connected because of because of this. Um, I spend time regularly, just like sitting outside, staring at trees and staring at squirrels and what's happening outside. Um, and people will say that I'm just like weird or I'm not I'm not working. But the fact of the matter is, I'm just tuning into like the nature around me and, and what's happening. And then when I go back into work, I feel a lot better. And this is why people take walks when, when they've been working for hours that they, they need to take a walk. And that walk is refreshing in that way because it's reminding them to slow down. Mm. Yeah, I, my business has
0: significantly gotten busier since I've slowed down. Because I don't think, I, th- I think the universe was like, well, we can't, we can't make you more, bring you more prosperity and abundance if you're not, if you don't know how to rest, you're going to burn out, right? So it's like when I started incorporating things that were slowed more slowed down, more rooted in my divine feminine, that's when the, the universe brought me more, more business. And it's just amazing that we were so trained through the capitalistic men- mindset that the rat race. Right. We got to go, go, go. The more you do, the more you have. And that's not always the case, right? The, do, the more you do, the more you might have, but then the more fucking burnt out you are. And then you can't enjoy what you have because you're hospitalized for, you feel like shit, you got adrenal fatigue. Right. And that's been my life story at certain points in my life as well as it's just like, you know, pushing forward with this, this, this masculine energy inside of me. And it's just like, it's just, it's a recipe for, for disaster. But I, you know, I'm, I'm really moving through a lot of, um, I'm also bringing forth the activist archetype for the first time in my life. I've never given a shit about activism and I I really could care less. I'm very much an individualist. I stay in my own lane and now I've been impacted by certain things with the pandemic that I'm like, you know what, I've really, um, learn to speak up and I've learned to value my bodily autonomy and my sovereignty in such a significant way and valuing freedom in such a significant way. And it's made me realize that the way that our, that, that our, our system is set up and I'll speak specifically for an example uh, about the medical system. Um, it's set up in a way that keeps us disembodied, Mm -hmm. because a person who's disembodied is a person who remains in sickness. And I think the medical system is a built, it's a business, a business Mm -hmm. model. It's built on, if you're sick, we make more money off of you. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, you look at the way that allopathic medicine works. It's like, you go into your doctor's office, they give you five minutes and they, you tell them what's going on with you. And then they give you something to mask your symptoms, right. It's all pill pushing pills. And I just think that, when we do become embodied, we learn how to take care of our health in such a, a profound way. And that might still be allopathic medicine, right? But we learn how to take charge of our health, right? Yeah. And I think now we're outsourcing our authority, our agency and our sovereignty to doctors and like being like, here, here, take take all of my power and tell me what I need to do with my body. Well, when mm-hmm. we become embodied, we know what to do with our body. We listen, we tune in and we're like, oh shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm eating too much sugar or I'm not doing enough exercise or I'm not doing these things. And we start to get this awareness. And I think for me, um, I've always been fairly body aware, um, of being athletic and stuff but when you become embodied it's like you become emotionally body aware and i think mm. that, again when we have that compass and it's online then we're guided to what we need to do so i just think that you know embodiment is also going to connect you to your health and allow you to take charge of your health
1: instead of outsourcing it to a doctor mm. i i love that you keep throwing out these like very pithy phrases that just like land so hard that's mm. absolutely beautiful um and just as you said like when we go to the doctor a lot of us give away our autonomy toward this this expert this person who is trained in in medicine in some way um you know this goes to another force um colonialism Mm -hmm. and colonialism is one person coming into another space and saying this is how you should be Mm -hmm. um and i think it's I, I look back into more indigenous cultures where they were deeply embodied, where they did things according to how their body needed. They had an understanding of not just two genders of like 15, 20 different kinds of genders, different ways in which the body wants to be seen and wants to express itself. Mm. And colonialism has come in and sort of shut those things down and, and said, man or woman, you know, mm-hmm. the, these are these, these two ways of being. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we, wanting to feel powerful, wanting to be connected to the sense of power will listen to this sort of dominating force. And so I think it's, um, when I think about colonialism, um, there's many different ways in which we've been colonized um, to where we lose sense of our own own body. And I think this kind of also connects to technology, but information also colonizes the body. Um, When we get inundated with information, we think this is what we want. Um, when I look at, and when I'm, you know, the Google al- al- algorithm is very clever and very, you know, good at making me think that I want something, but I, I don't really want it. I don't want that lamp. I don't want, um, this special sale for, for this pizza place that's like right next door. You know, I don't really want these things, but when I see it, then all of a sudden I'm having some sort of reaction where I feel like I want it. But when I tune in and get more embodied, I realize this is not what I want, um, So I think it's important to realize the ways in which I'll say specifically now information is colonizing. We're being colonized Mm -hmm. by information. And so this is why people take breaks from like social media or um, they, they, they're very careful with what they're watching. Um, I have friends who like will only watch like HBO max or only watch Netflix. And that's a way that they're trying to mitigate the ways in which information is colonizing them. Mm -hmm. So we have to be very careful with how we utilize technology Um, before it like uses us Mm -hmm. and unfortunately I don't think our brains have caught up to the speed of technology technology has grown vastly in the past 20 or so years Mm -hmm. and the human brain is doesn't grow that quickly you know so our brains have not caught up to the speed of this to all these like connections that technology is bringing us Mm -hmm. and so we're becoming disembodied the brain doesn't know what to do so the body doesn't know what to do and then we're sort of overwhelmed and when we're overwhelmed we're easy to be manipulated. And I think that's deeply problematic. So we need to become more embodied, slow down, become embodied. So we're not manipulated by all this information, by all the external world that's trying to tell us what, what we want or who we need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just say very quickly, like that's something I realized. Um, I, I don't watch much porn. And I never really have. But when I was younger and I did watch porn, there's all these little pop-ups that, that, that would come and I had to click out of the pop-ups, you know, in order to enjoy my, my porn time. And every time I realized these pop-ups are like, I'm like, I want this thing, I need this thing. Um, but I don't. The fact of the matter is I'm, I'm in this moment where I'm trying to feel pleasure uh, within myself. And then all these things are telling me, you know, there's these beautiful sales and all these things that are happening. And I, and I, I paid a lot of extra attention to that because in those moments we're most vulnerable. Um, so anyone who, who watches porn um, in those moments, I think we're most vulnerable to our desires, our bodies being colonized. So just be careful yeah. with the things that are happening when you're enjoying your, your me time. Yeah. Yeah. That's such good wisdom to share. I fully agree.
0: Fully agree. Okay. We got about 10 minutes. Um, so I want to oh. get these, uh, these, I know time's flying. <laughs> I knew it would, I love though. it though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so how do we become more embodied? I think this is, we need to give some meat here because I think people are gonna be like, well, damn this, I wanna become embodied. How do we do this? So what are, what are are what's maybe a couple of your favorite tips on, on teaching people
1: how to become embodied? So I look very closely to nature as my examples for, for how to be, because again, yeah. we are nature. Um, we forget that, but we are. Um, so what I tend to do is um, I'll go outside and, and I'll look at a tree and I'll mimic the way the the tree is moving. So I'll like put my arms up like like the the branches and I'll kind of sway in that way. And when I do that, when I mimic these aspects of nature or pretend to be a squirrel or I pretend to be a dog in some way, um, it gives me a sense of like, how is the body moving in order to become this particular shape and what sort of pain or what sort of ecstasy do I get from this? Mm. Um, I think honestly, this is one of the reasons why yoga is so popular. Mm -hmm. Like yoga puts the body in certain positions that replicate nature. And when when we're in these positions, we have these profound insights of like, wow, I have not been um, giving my partner enough attention or wow, this aspect of work is really making me feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's because we're we're mimicking these these structures within nature itself. And then it gives us a chance to kind of tune into, well, what feels good or what does not feel good to the self. So my my first thing is, is to you know mimic nature itself like literally put your body in these shapes and you know move in a certain way or breathe in a certain way as something else to kind of really understand what is authentic to you what is unique and what is good for you yeah um, so that, that, that's kind of the main thing that I do within my my work is like teaching people how to move in that way um, there's something else that I would say is to um, work to become more sensitive. Um, Mm -hmm. We're often very desensitized because we're overwhelmed with certain things, but we need to practice being more sensitive. And when we're more sensitive, we can then tune into and understand what exactly is the body trying to say. So realize that there's this like pulsing Mm -hmm. sensation every single time my my boss says something Mm -hmm. or realize that I feel like I'm being stabbed in in the shoulders um, every time I walk through this particular grocery store. And so the more we tune into these different sensations we become more sensitized and then we realize the ways in which the world is trying to impact or the world impacts our specific way of being so i guess to to keep it short again to to mimic the structures around us the natural structures around us and then contemplate how those um, movements inform the way that we want to be authentically um and then to sensitize ourselves and be aware of these sensations that are coming up in the body at all times. Mm -hmm.
0: I couldn't have answered it better myself. You know, did you know that I do a work in sensitivity?
1: No, I did
0: not. So my two businesses are one is uh, working with highly sensitive people and empaths. And my other is, um working with gay men so I uh, so sensitivity is something that I understand very well I'm highly sensitive I'm empathic and I think you know learning how to manage sensitivity and become more sensitive I think is so important and Mm -hmm. I view sensitivity in so many different contexts but I think oftentimes people attribute sensitivity to like being hurt easily but it's not it's a perception and being finely attuned to yourself and your environment and I just think that That's everything. If you want to become more embodied, become more sensitive and, um, and, and connected. Um, I, I use the word, um, to, to move towards more embodiment, the word grounded groundedness. Um, and I, I do a lot of work with tree energy and um, yeah. I love trees. I've been obsessed with trees since I was a kid. And um, it's been one of the ways that I've learned how to ground myself and through, through grounding myself is how I've learned to connect to my body because groundedness means coming out of the mind, down into the body, down into the earth. And um, so I would say anything that's gonna bring you groundedness might be earthing, you know, taking off your, sh- your, your, your socks and shoes and standing on the grass or on the soil and kind of just feeling the earth um, it might be hugging trees or, um, anything like that. Um, but oftentimes people come up against the mind, right? When we, when we do try to move towards embodiment, um, we come up against the mind because we've been so addicted to thoughts and thinking that the mind is louder than the body. So we need to have a practice that's still, that, 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 that controls our concentration or our attention, because, you know, I think the, Um, it's really important for us to 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 learn how to manage where we bring our attention and where we where we control our attention because the mind is going to be the thing that's going to be so loud and it's going to take us away from being able to connect to our body Mm -hmm. so there's something called one-pointed concentration and it's it's essentially where you you learn how to manage your 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 concentration right so you might concentrate on um well what i did was like i concentrated on counting um so just one to ten ten to one one to ten ten to one and when your mind wanders you bring it back so you're learning how to um, play with your attention uh, because i think oftentimes people think that they they, they want to bring stillness to the mind but you can't really still the mind at least in my opinion the mind is meant to be running wild and and, and be constantly thinking but we need to learn how to pull our attention away from the mind and into the body. So I do think that, you know, those would be my two tips. So learn how to, um, to, to, control your attention through a practice like one point of concentration and then, um, learn groundedness. And then also body sensations, I think is really important. Like yoga Nidra has been such a game changer for me. Um, I've had so many profound experiences by doing yoga Nidra, which is essentially just like scanning your body with your own consciousness and attention. And uh, it allows you to kind of really connect to the sensations of who you are. And um, those would be a few of my tips for embodiment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to expand that, going back to like sensitivity and to expand that, Mm -hmm. I think we're so focused on a couple of the five senses. So we're so focused on like seeing things or hearing things. Mm-hmm. But there's also smell, there's also taste, and there's touch. Yeah. And when you go into a space, you know, have you have you smelled the way a space actually is? Have you allowed yourself to touch the different textures? Have you, I don't know if you would taste like the walls or something, but like, you know, realizing you have these five senses, and if you utilize these five senses, you get a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was at a theater because I do a lot of performance, and there's these, um know what to call them there's the the curtains that's what they're called curtains um there was the curtains that were there and I realized I've never touched those curtains before and so what I did was I used my hands and I went down the curtains and I used my body and I kind of wrapped myself in those curtains and I had this really interesting experience of like feeling the texture of these curtains and I'm like wow this is absolutely fascinating Mm. and because I had that experience every time I'm on stage and I see those curtains it reminds me of that visceral bodily experience that I had And I perform differently. I feel more alive and awake in my performances because of that. Mm. And so I think it's so interesting. And it's a really good technique to just tune into the five senses. Um, And when I get into spiritual teachings, I teach people how to go beyond the five senses into um, other senses as well. Um, But just starting to tune into those five senses in all environments that you're in really helps you be aware of the body and, and what's happening. And it also helps you to slow down as well. Yeah, I love that.
0: I think sensitivity is the, is the thing that that creates enhancement to our senses. Mm-hmm. Right. If you are more sensitive, you're more likely to smell things more intensely, hear things more intensely because you're you're attuned, right? You're you're able to, to tune in. So I do think sensitivity has many benefits. Um, last question. We have a couple minutes. Um, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to, to speak on that. So the, the developing a lexicon for bodily sensations, I'm not sure what that means. And I would love to learn more about it. Would Tell me a bit.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I I, I, I spoke about it a, a little bit, but I think, okay. um, and I think, see, I'm, I'm already doing it. We as a culture and society don't have the greatest language for the body. Um, yeah. We just sort of say, "Oh, that hurts," or "That feels strange," you know. But to to realize there's all these words that describe how we're feeling. There's like words like titillating, or or like, um, or like poking, or stabbing. So like looking at these different words and seeing like, when have I felt titillated? When 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 and where do I feel this sort of poking sensation? Um, so just literally like. And I say this because I'm so into words. My, my undergrad work was in linguistics. And then I did like a lot of like um, language and power related research. And so when you have words for something, it gives you a whole new experience of that particular thing. Mm-hmm. So when we start to look at these sort of sensation words, then we participate in the world a little bit differently. You know, I'm walking by, by Jack in the Box and I feel like my, my arm gets sort of titillated in some way. And part of that's because I have like a really weird experience in the past with my grandmother and, and, and Jack in the box. But I was able to realize that because I had that particular word that I started to use. Mm. Um, and certain languages have more words and certain languages have less words, um, which is also interesting to look at. I feel like in English, we have a lot of beautiful words to describe what's going on within our bodies, but we don't necessarily utilize those. And so my point there is to you know, develop your own personal dictionary or vocabulary For what your body is doing and that forces you to become aware of the body and realize you know when does this word describe how i'm feeling and you know start to ask yourself why Mm. um so that that's more so what i what i meant by that particular um topic and Mm. i think it's really important to that's another way to practice becoming more embodied is to literally learn the vocabulary words of the body, the body and sensations. And I can share a list of those different words for people, if that would be helpful. Hmm. Um, and it just changes the way that you experience the world because now you have words to codify, to speak to, um, what you're experiencing or or what's happening. Yeah. I love that.
0: I love it a lot. We made it.
1: Yay. (laughs) We were both feeling a little off
0: before we started. So we were like, we'll just stumble through this together. So we we did it. (laughs) I thought we, I think we created something really amazing here. Um, I do want to point people in the direction of finding you because I know you're doing a lot of work in embodiment. You have an Instagram, um, Healing Kung Fu. Yes. Um, yes. Your Facebook um, is Kung Fu Master 123. And if you want to find them on TikTok, you can find them at Kung Fu Therapy um i'm also creating a lot of stuff on my um instagram that's related to embodiment you can find that at at inspired to be authentic Uh, a lot of resources there for if you're wanting to move towards more embodiment um i'm just seeing if there's anything else um yeah i think we're good oh and your website HealingKungFu.com.
1: yes check them out the website um and, and, and just to add as well, if anyone wants um, practice with embodiment, I, I will start to have weekly classes, um, again, weekly online classes that anyone can tune into. Um, so there'll be information about that on my website when that comes. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful
0: feel like um the gay community has a lot to learn from you and um i'm just really honored and i want to on behalf of the gay men's brotherhood i want to thank you for coming on and and sharing your wisdom with us for the last hour um i've thoroughly enjoyed it and i will be i'll for sure be having you either on this podcast or my other podcast again because i really uh, enjoy uh
1: our connection and, and the way we create so um yeah yeah Th- thank you so much for having me it's been a really enjoyable experience. Um this is a beautiful podcast. I'm again mm. honored to have been invited. And I hope that that people that are listening um take something away that changes their experience within their life whether it just be like you know using more words to describe their the bodily experience or just the encouragement to listen to the body. I think mm. that's really important. <clears throat> you don't get that in many spaces. So I hope that that folks are able to practice embodiment and see how it shifts their perception of the world in themselves. So, thank you all for listening. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome.
0: And for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you can drop us um, some comments because we would love to have your comments and we do. Yeah. We do also read um, the comments in some of our reviews on the podcast. So please hit us up. And if you're also, if you're on YouTube, you can um, hit the bell icon, subscribe, and we release content each week. So you'll be notified when we do. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast, uh, network, you can, if you, if you enjoyed this, give us a five-star rating, um, Spotify just introduced, um, a rating system. So if you're, if you're listening on Spotify, you can give us a five-star rating. That would be lovely. And
1: thanks again for tuning in and much love. Take care.